It's time for To The Last Drop Podcast with Liam Delcom and Brandon Nell. This is To The Last Drop. I'm Liam Delcom. We've got a packed show this week because we've got to get through the URC that returns, a couple of big derby matches, and we are unpacking some of the Six Nations results. Not just the results, but there are a couple of distinct talking points. Uh, and with me to do all of this is co-presenter, co-host, Brendan Now, Welcome, Brendan. Thanks, Liam. But, uh, co-host, it sounds like so formal. Uh, co-wine drinker, I think, is more, more likely. Well, yeah, yeah, somebody <laughs> to cheers with on a regular basis. Or as they say, or as they say, Weinflich or whatever, um, something like that. Those who know, yeah, will know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, we've got the URC back and we've got some derby matches back this week. And I take it uh, you are pleased that it's back and that this weird break is something of the past. Uh, yes and no. It's nice to actually have something to, to concentrate on again. Uh, although mm. the season's so disjointed at the moment, um, I'd rather yeah. have us have a proper season like we used to have where you know, after the sevens in December, we switch off for a couple of weeks. But now it's sort of in between other competitions. You have this these strange weeks where we come back for just one week of URC, and next week it's back at Six Nations. And, um, yeah, and then after that, another big derby again. So a big weekend for derbies, especially South African teams, and rather important for all four South African franchises at the moment for different reasons. And I think we'll go through that. Um, but let's start with the Six Nations. I mean... That has been sort of capturing, we've been, t- keep on hearing on the commentary how it's the best tournament in the world and how everybody's doing so well in Ireland of saving world rugby. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so glad for them because who knows where the game would be if we just let them throw the ball around. Anyway, um, but uh, <laughs> I should, I'm glad you got that off your chest. <laughs> I, I tend to, to listen and just chuckle when these, I hear these things the whole time. But anyway, um, but yeah. I suppose the big question is, can anybody stop Ireland? Uh, they've been rather clinical. Uh, they were very clinical against Italy, uh, keeping them to zero points. So uh, that, that's pretty good. And the Italians were rather disappointing, especially after the game against England. But I suppose that almost described for Italy. Uh, then we had the Scotland-France game, which gave us all sorts of controversy for the wrong reasons. We, we had... Uh, TMO's rocking and rolling images, and still not mm, finding out. Went on forever. Yeah, and and still not finding the same conclusion that we all saw. Um, and yeah, gifting. Well, I would say gifting. It's not really gifting, but giving. Although France the win. Although we saw it, and we also didn't see it because uh, it wasn't conclusive. Uh, a try was probably scored. However, you couldn't conclusively say that it was because that essentially was what the TMO was asked to rule on because on field uh, a decision had been made and unless there was uh, a body of evidence to suggest otherwise then you know that decision would stand and you know so the protocol uh, was properly observed but the was it the right call in the end well we can debate that well, I, I tend to go back to, and that's where I, I, it's one of those frustrating things where rugby doesn't do itself any favors. We tend to overcomplicate the process, um, and the TMO is one of those ones that continually comes up. We'll probably be speaking about TMO calls 
uh, at least 10 more times this year. Um, and this, and what gets me is that it should be a very simple question. There shouldn't be any, I know they want to keep the whole thing with the ref and all the responsibility with the ref on the field, but it should be a simple question to the TMO, try or no try. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I think the whole thing goes wrong because as soon as you say conclusive evidence. I think well, well, that, that, that certainly would have served the scenario last Saturday best. Yes. But of course, these things change. These pictures change from match to match. Sometime in the same game, you get different uh, situations. Um, so I suppose there is a case to be made for uh, taking it away from the ref in that moment. But then, you know, ultimately, two weeks down the line, we'll probably have the counter argument. We we'll say, no, 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 the ref, the ref has been stripped of his powers. True, though. Although I think if the ref feels that he can't make that decision and he says try no try and goes up to TMO. That should also, if there's no conclusive evidence, then then the TMO has that right to say that again. But you know, by calling it's almost like the cricket umpires thing. Uh, you know, we've seen cricket off often the umpires call on the replays, and and it's not always the the decision that you think it would be. And uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's in that grey area, and 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 it goes to the batting side often. Then, um, but I don't know. I just think there should be a better situation. Rugby tends to. Have controversy where there should be no controversy, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to solve this, but I just think try no tries a lot simpler for everybody. I think even if the decision went the other way, there would still have been controversy. So, of course, every 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 um, rugby fan who's either French or, or doesn't like Scotland is going to tell you how Scotland had that game in the bag like they did against Wales, <laughs> and then threw it away and had enough time to win that game. I, th- I think. I think what we can say from that game is that nobody conclusively deserved to win the game. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's just yeah, it's that, that's the thing. Those type of arguments never get to me because yeah, you know, at the end of the day, rugby games ebb and flow. Um, you know, yeah, team like the previous week against Wales, Scotland got off to twenty six 0 Wales found their feet and came back into the game. That's what makes rugby so great. So to say, uh, team should have closed it out or should have done this. Yeah, those things you play as well as your opposition. That you play a lot of the time, and it just becomes a bit of a, you know, sort of a false equivalent. Mm, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Wales, I was going to say. Well, I was going to say that. I was going to get onto that. Saying that, um, you talked about no side deserved to win. At least it was entertaining. Um, I think uh, the Irish game, as clinical as they were, were was rather boring to watch, uh, I'm not going to lie. Mm. And now I'm sounding like an uh, English columnist in the newspaper. But um, the the English-Wales game was a horror show. And I know England will be patting themselves on the back by winning that game, but the standard was terrible, and it just wasn't a great mm. game to watch. Yeah, I found it a hard watch as well. Uh, it, it certainly is not. If you're going to make the, the big statement as they as I often did in the opening week, that it's the best competition in the world. I mean, the, on the evidence of what we saw last week, and that's not the case. Even the France-Scotland game, uh, they didn't shoot the lights out. Uh, as a spectacle, uh, the island, uh, well, Ireland was fantastic, uh, you know, but as a as a contest, there wasn't much in it no. uh, against Italy. So, yeah, and I suppose we can we can debate these things, but yeah, I, I'm I'm certainly not convinced that it's the best competition in the world. As for England and Wales, um, you know, after France lost to to Ireland on the opening day, the next big um, 
occasion they started talking about was England's home game against against Ireland um, as the, a potential uh, match that could shape the championship. But I mean, I, I frankly don't see that. I think Ireland should go there and and probably win comfortably. I will say this though: England do have the habit of when you sort of write them off, uh, they're capable of putting together a performance. They won't necessarily win, but geez, they can. Their nuisance factor becomes huge. Yeah, I can see. I can see them. I don't think they've got the set piece to trouble Ireland, though. Um, but I can see them becoming that same team like we got in the in in the semi final of the World Cup, mm. where they just become a difficult team to break down. Um, and they play mm. ugly rugby in terms of just to, just to try and and to almost stop your your strong points rather than win the game, try, play rather not to lose and. Um, I suppose you, all these people who talk about how wonderful rugby should be and how the game should be played should be looking at their own team there and wonder if that's the team. Because England have got some fantastic athletes. They've got really some great mm. players. And, um, you know, what they've served up, even though they've won both their games so far, I mean, what they've served up so far has been less than impressive. Yeah. You would have thought after the bit of momentum, not a bit of momentum, they actually got quite a a handy bit of a momentum towards the end of the World Cup, um, that they could build on some of that. And I know they got the two wins uh, up front in this Six Nations, but, I mean, they just haven't looked great. I mean, right. and I suppose that goes back to the standard of the competition. Yeah, well, I think at least we get a break from it now because, uh, yeah, while the anthems <laughs> are wonderful to watch, the rest of it hasn't <laughs> That's spectacular. Um, I've enjoyed the contest. Uh, I enjoy the occasion. Test rugby is always great to watch, um, mm. just from a spectacle point of view. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see that. Uh, I, I, I think it was probably a lot more than the hyped up, um, Super Bowl that, uh, took place the same week. Uh, yeah, there was this focus on people's girlfriends and stands and, uh, more focus on the rugby, which is, I think moving swiftly along. <laughs> Uh, I know, Liam, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Anyway, um, let's move into URC. Uh, and uh, we've got this big derby round. Of course, the Lions, are, it feels like round 10, round 9 feels like years ago because it was, I think, almost two it months does. ago that it technically was played. Mm. We've had that one game of the Lions and the, the Bulls and the Lions at Loftus um, where they were playing catch-up. But yeah, apart from that, we've pretty much been starved. So yeah, it's um, I think local fans will very much uh, warm to those two games on Saturday. Um, and I, we should probably start off with the one in Durban, uh, where the Sharks need to make a statement. Um, the Stormers obviously have their own ambitions; they need to keep up the heat on the Bulls uh, while leading the conference. But the Sharks. Uh, will probably be more desperate. It doesn't mean, of course, they will win, but I'm just saying, I mean, their level of desperation sh should be uh, fairly high. Yeah, and, and they should have their Springboks. I mean, I've seen even Etzebeth's obviously out. He's gone for an operation, um, you know, obviously concentrating more on the international season. But that seems to be the, the problem in Durban. It, it seems to be this, I don't know, just disjointed sort of equilibrium between the Springbok players and their non-Springbok players. And, you know, they look, they look like a force when Eben's playing and Lucanio's playing and you've got all the box in the side, but when they're not, they look very vulnerable. And it, it almost seems like, I don't know, the, the, the mood in the camp or the, 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 know, the, the, the confidence isn't quite there when certain players aren't there. And, and 
it's shown they 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 haven't done bad. The I, mean, I know I know log position they've done terribly, but if you look at their games, they've lost most of the games by four or five points, and um, you know, certainly it's frustrating for John Plumtree, but I think. With the, we've had Marco Mazzotti on the show. I think they will need to make a statement. And a local derby against the Stormers is probably mm. the place to do it because that's the one game. Uh, if you think two years ago, the one game against the Stormers where the Stormers drew that game, um, yeah, years of the year ago, that almost set the Stormers uh, on their way to, to, to yeah, there was the draw in Durban. Yes, that's the one I'm talking about. They, they set it set the Stormers almost on their way to the t- to the title after that because they suddenly. Found their, their, their sort of, I don't know, their confidence, et cetera, where the Sharks you know, just keep on disappointing. And um, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think they should be favourites, seeing as the Stormers don't have uh, their Springboks available. But, uh, yeah, the Stormers are pretty good without their Springboks as well. I was about to make the point. I mean, they've had uh, that away match in Paris where they beat Start Francais. And I know it was uh, a match of fits and starts, uh, they still, when it really mattered, when they, when they needed to, to dig deep, uh, they played really well and they put um, a, a team that usually performs quite well at home under real pressure. And I think they they came out of that game, uh, you know, with the spring in their step. I thought they were fantastic in getting that win and the way they got it. Um, so I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they'll lose on Saturday. Um, I suppose if you look at the team sheets, you you might be inclined to think the Sharks. But then you think of the journey the Sharks probably still have to undertake to become a proper unit, whereas the Stormers, uh, and we spoke about, or you spoke about, uh, you know, sort of peripheral players um, not doing the job at the Sharks, whereas at the Stormers you get the sense that, you know, they, they function more as a unit, more as a team, more as a collective. Yeah, and I mean, Liam, you and I have both covered many teams over the years that have been champion teams. And there always is, I mean, there's always the superstars, the the Galacticos, as they love to call them. Uh, yeah, the, the Springbok players that come through and score the, the most amazing tries and obviously turn the game. But all those sides have been built on five or six really crucial non-Springbok fringe players um, who go do do the job that nobody's looking. They put in the hard work. They sort of make their turnover when when it's needed, uh, and and those those teams rely on those. And it just seems maybe that's where the Sharks their players have been letting them down, and and that those almost you know those crucial sort of squad men, as I don't know what else to call mm. them, um, just aren't functioning or just not performing, and and that's become quite a problem. Yeah, um, it's difficult to put your finger on it. But, I mean, I suppose uh, it's still early-ish uh, in the reign of John Plumtree. So, you know, he still needs to bend down his systems properly and one probably does to give them, um, you know, a bit of time to but you, you a bit of time for that sense, to settle. You do get the sense, though, that once it clicks for them, they're going to be a very difficult mm. side to beat. and Because they've got talent there in Durban. And it just it just seems something's missing. And I mean, we've spoken about it before, but you get the feeling that once it clicks, that that they're going to be pretty good. So it's just a matter of when, uh, not if. Speaking of clicks, uh, the Lions uh, clicked in parts in their last game in in Pretoria when they ran the balls desperately close and uh, failed to get the win in the end. But this week, it looks like they kind of rubbing their hands at the opportunity of. Uh, mm-hmm getting the right result this time. 
um, they've spoken the week about uh, the set piece and uh, those occasions when they have the bulls under pressure to make it count. They they felt that they didn't do that the last time. They had some pressure, but they didn't they didn't follow through on it. So it's it's going to be an intriguing one in that um, you know both sides probably came out of that game with a bit of homework. Yeah, I think the one big difference, though, is going to be the fact that uh, two World Cup winners will be back for the Bulls. Uh, Kurt Lee, Orens, and Kane and Moody, I think that's going to make a difference for the Bulls. They they make a difference to any team they play in. Um, and I think the big question is going to be which team has learned enough from that Loftus game. Uh, yeah, the Lions have this ability to, to almost make the Bulls look bad. Uh, and they have in the last couple of encounters, the last couple of years. They've, they've, they've sort of take them away from their comfort zone. And I mean, they, 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 I don't know, they, they cut open the defense quite, you know, and so nearly Nahamba looks like a superstar. Uh, just, it's, it's almost as if the Bulls know what they should be expecting, but for some reason don't react. And I think there's been a lot, a lot of talk on that as well. Um, yeah, Jake also said to us as well that the, the, the yeah, they needed to take a step back, look at themselves again, look at where they're doing well, where they, where they need to improve, and they feel that this is this is a game that they're going to do a lot better in. Of course, it's pre pre game talk. You can always you're always going to do better in a game before you play it, uh, mm. and, and it's going to be interesting to see what those challenges come up. But it's certainly an intriguing battle because, to be very honest, the Lions threw that game away. They had that game in the bag. Or the Bulls, I suppose, Bulls fans can say they also at one point nine points up, but. But the Lions could have taken those points and there was, would have been very valuable points for them uh, in their journey mm. this season. But yeah. they're still 10th now where they could have been fourth if they had won that game. Yeah, it was a remarkable, uh, could have been a remarkable swing with the other teams not in action. So, yeah, it's a real opportunity for them. I suppose that's why they feel this is an opportunity for them at home to, to atone for that. Um, and, of course, the band that was central to that performance uh, at Loftus and also in the previous game at Loftus, Sanyo's Noamba, he spoke to us, and it's probably the best time now to to listen to what he has got to say. Yeah, I, I must admit, I think the listeners will enjoy this. Um, Sanyo is quite quite candid, uh, and his personality does shine through. Liam caught up with him, so have a listen. This episode of To The Last Drop is sponsored by the Listen Audio app, where you can stream all your favorite radio stations, catch up on the latest news, and entertainment, and dive into captivating podcasts all in one app. Download Listen, that's L-I-S-T-N, from the App Store or Google Play. Download Listen, that's L-I-S-T-N, from the App Store or Google Play. The Listen Audio app, everywhere you are. Um, Sanele, it's been a very interesting season for you. Um, when I say interesting, you obviously started in a position that, you know, that you were familiar with and then things changed. Um, but in many ways, also your season has taken off. How have you ex- experienced it? How have you found it? Um, I think, you know, it's been, it's been great um, uh, playing both positions. Um, uh, it's not something I mind. I think given my background um, at school level, um, at SA schools and stuff like that, even at the Sharks, played a couple of games at, at 10 for Curry Cup and Super Rugby. Um, I think that background sort of helped um, in terms of um, just adjusting back to 10. You know, I didn't have to almost learn a whole new role. Um, so I think that sort of helped. But yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to serve the team the best way I can. Um, whether I'm needed at 9 or 10, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to play either or. 
Mm. Uh, have you been surprised by how quickly things have developed? Because um, you were barely in that jersey and things started happening. Yeah, yeah, it caught me by surprise a little bit. <laughs> okay, it was, uh, it was like one game in tour and it was like, I don't know, I don't know, call it like experimental sort of thing. And they just chucked me a 10 for, for a game and then the next game and then the next game, then the next game. And then mm. sort of like that's where I'm playing um, currently at the moment. Um, it, it did spring me by surprise um, playing so many games consecutively at, at, at 10. Um, but yeah, it sort of came as a surprise. I thought it was going to be a once-off thing for that game. But yeah, yeah totally enjoyed it. Um, don't, like, don't like shying away from a challenge. And that's the challenge that's been thrown at me um, this season. And I'm, I'm happy to take that role and, and try execute the best way possible. Mm. And obviously you bring certain characteristics to the position. I mean, how much did you have to sort of tweak uh, to fit that mold? Or, or were you given the license? You can go and express yourself in this new jersey. No, 100%. Um, the coaches gave me a, a whole lot of um, license to play what I see. I think that's the, the biggest message that I got um, instead of trying to trying to stay in structure a lot um, is to play what I see and obviously you've got people around me that also that also helps you know um, having a coach like uh, Moniz Stein who's done that jersey for years and, and did exceptionally well playing at 10 so it helps having him in my corner as well um, just to give me a bit of insight or triggers of what to look for um, in terms of space you know um, but the, I think the main thing is to express myself and, and, and play what I see and sometimes sometimes the guys around me almost uh, <laughs> you know, like just react a little bit late to say oh what is yeah. he doing now but um, yeah I, I think the coaches give me the freedom to, to express myself. Mm. Given given uh, the audacious way in, in which you uh, I've sort of taken on this role. I mean, a lot, if you look, especially at the Lions attack, I mean, you do things and then sometimes, you know, you, you kind of like the, the lone guy out there. Uh, given that, um, how has that transition been for you? Because um, obviously the other guys around you need to be on the same page. So is it a, you discovered in the moment or how does that happen? That's a, it's a bit of both. Um, obviously we're training, uh, me and uh, Krapi Mone. Um, we trained a lot together at 9 and 10. And obviously Marius, we, we come a long way back from the Sharks days. So I think he's, he, he sort of understands how, how I play and if I, if I see something, I'm actually going to go for it, I think. Um, and those are the guys that are always inside me, outside me. I think um, that that combination between the three of us, I think and that's what helps us um, a lot. So Marius, I played with him at the Sharks. I think he sort of um, understands my instincts. And with Mone, with a lot of training um, at sessions, um, we've had a, I don't know how many training sessions together, nine and ten, I think. Um, with that, it helps um, develop some some sort of relationship between a nine and a ten um, in terms of the game. Um, I think the training sessions helped me and Krappi and obviously Marius being mostly outside of me. We've played together at the Sharks and, and he knows how I play and knows how instinctive I am. So I think that helps. Yeah. Uh, what do you think suits your character more uh, or better? Scrum off or, or fly off? <laughs> 
I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm a scum of plain flour. Okay, so it's not a, it doesn't feel like an out of body experience. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not too different. Uh, that's what I feel. Um, it's just that at, at, at nine, you, you're very close to the rock and in and amongst the action. And at 10, you're just steering the ship around and, you know, directing play. I think that's the mm. major, not so major, um, um, difference for me. Yeah. And, and being obviously at Scrum of you a little bit closer to the action and you've got more license to say things and maybe dispense advice. Do you miss that at all? Uh, I mean, I, I still do the same thing. <laughs> I still do the same thing. Um, uh, I think that for me, how I view it is at Scrum of you more, you get the message from the 10, 12, um, and actually, um, get the boys to do it, but at 10, you actually give out those instructions or try to stay that ship the way we want to play. So I don't think uh, I miss it because I still do the same thing, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I haven't changed. If um, Flav is also one of those positions where, depending on how the team plays, there could be a lot of heavy traffic coming your way. Yeah. Uh, you, you're you not probably built like Andre Pollard or Carlos. Close, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, is that a part of your role that... Um, or playing in that position that you are aware of, that you sort of constantly still remind yourself, okay, I, there's, there's this element of this game, of the game that I need to sort of, um, uphold. Um, is, is that something that plays on you or is it something that you just put in the back of your mind? You just do what you need to do, finish and climb. Yeah, hundred percent. I just, I do what I need to do. Um, without shying away from it, you know, rugby is a physical game. At some stage, you're not going to have the ball and attack. At some stage, the other team is going to have the ball and attack. And most teams do, um, target the channel and obviously working with the coaches, coach Sharkey, um, our defense coach, um, you know, um, putting my body on the line, making tackles. Um, I don't think it's something new. It's something I've been doing before, just, well, doing it less, but I'm just doing it more now. Um, yeah, you, you can't shy away from the fact that someone will run at you, whether you're at nine or at 10. It's part of the game that, um, that's there. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to put my body on the line and make tackles. And then when I have the ball, do my thing as well. How does it feel uh, in this new position um, to be... Uh, uh, sort of part of a national debate when it comes to potentially playing for the national team. We're in a new cycle now. A World Cup has been won. There's some renewal that needs to happen within the squad. Um, how does it feel to have your name sort of, uh, you know, bandied about as a potential candidate to, to play in the green and gold? No, that's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I speak for every South African rugby player. Um, you do want to play in that green and gold jersey um, one day, and that's a, that's a dream of mine, and, and that's what I'm trying to achieve. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not looking too much into that. Um, you know, my, my priority is to play well for the Lions and, and put good in performances that will help the team win, I think. If I do that, regardless if I've been 9 or 10, I think if I do that and help the team win, I think I give my, myself a good chance to to maybe um, like, like get into the Springbok mix and stuff like that. But I think my main focus is to play well for the Lions and, and put in performances for the Lions to, to help me achieve the goal that I'm trying to achieve. Mm. Uh, the Lions, obviously, if you compare the results this season to, to last season, there's definitely an upward curve and it, it just looks like the team uh, plays with a more, lot more cohesion. It looks like the guys are gelling a lot better. What do you attribute that to? Is it just time that you've spent together over the last 
two years or two and a half years? Yeah, I think I think time scores um, is is probably one thing. Um, obviously, yeah, I think more or less um, it's it's still the same team we had last year, um, and we sort of understand each other a whole lot better. Um, there's guys who came from different unions um, to the Lions, and maybe there was some sort of cohesion or understanding that. We didn't understand each other that much. Uh, I think this season we understand each other a whole lot more better. I think that's that's what made us tighter and obviously played together. Uh, playing together like two seasons, I think you end up um, sort of knowing who does what, who's good at what, and how you can play off that person. I think the time is definitely something um, that that helped the team um, put good performances. Mm. If I can throw things forward a bit. Um, if you look at your upcoming game against the Bulls, uh, you had a game at Loftus a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, given that performance, do you, do you feel that you've you let them off the hook a little bit in that one? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't know to be honest. I think we put ourselves in a in a really good position to 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 win the game, but at the same time, we did give them opportunities to to, to fight back, and and they did. So. Yeah, we did let them off the hook a, a little bit, and what an opportunity um, next week to uh, to play against the same team and you know, uh, and try and rectify our mistakes and and give ourselves more opportunities and limit their opportunities to win the game. Uh, does that sort of um, uh, embolden you more to get the positive result uh, this time around? I think for me, it's just um, me personally. Yeah. Uh, don't know about other guys, but it's just excitement. Um, just excited to 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 get to wear the Lions jersey again, um, to against the Bulls again. Um, you know, um, it's just excitement. Really, um, I don't look too much into the derbies and, and and stuff like that. You know, I just look at it as another rugby game where I have to enjoy and 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 put myself in the best possible possible position to win the game for for the team and yeah I think it's just more excitement than anything. Mm. I get the sense that you from just listening to you now as well and and the way you play that self-expression is is important to you Um, and rugby can become a little bit constraining there's certain things that you kind of have to stay within structure etc etc so you obviously relish every chance you get when there is an opportunity to Take the leash off, as it were. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Structure is everything. Um, obviously, it's a team sport. We we need to um, to be on the same page the whole time. But um, I live by the the, the the saying that opportunities overrule everything. Um, rather than me staying in structure for the sake of not the team, but for the sake of being in structure and not taking the opportunity that's presented, I think mm. that's something I try not to do. Stay, stay too much in structure. If the opportunity is there, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take the opportunity. You know, opportunity overrides everything for me. Mm. Uh, when you watch test rugby, which is obviously often very structured, I mean, what what emotions do you go through? Uh, is it frustrating? <laughs> How do you how do you watch a rugby game or a test match? Yeah, um, obviously it's very structured, um, and there's there's reasoning behind it because the margins are so small. Um, like at URC, you might get four chances to score a try, and at test level, you might get one chance, and you have to execute that chance. And yeah, um, I don't get frustrated or anything. I think more than anything. Uh, 
when I'm watching the like test matches, whether it's the box or or whatever, um, I tend to watch as a, as a fan really and mm. just enjoy watching rugby. And yeah, I don't look too much into how they play or or whatever is happening. I I really watch as a spectator, to be honest. You're with Brendan Nell and Liam Delcom on the To the Last Drop podcast. So yeah, that was interesting, and and there's a lot of other games as well. It's not just the South African derbies, although we'll all be watching those as much as possible. But there's a full program uh, which kicks off with Scarlets hosting Munster, and given all the turmoil in Welsh rugby, uh, I think I'd probably <laughs> Munster on that one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also seeing that you know the a newfound status as sort of you know champions of the world just about. Uh, yeah, you'll have to go for Munster. I think the same with the other game. Uh, unfortunately, there's no international players, and that hits Edinburgh a lot bigger, more than with the trip to Zebra Parma. Um, yeah, Zebra's got a couple of Italian players out, but not as many as as Edinburgh. So they may have a chance there. Although I think Edinburgh should have mm. enough quality to to pull it through. I think either way, it will be a a, a good watch, that one. Um, I think it will be a game that uh, certainly Zebra will fancy uh, taking a win in that one. Um, so I, I think that's probably one of the games to try and watch. If you're not would ordinarily going to watch a, you know, that kind of contest, then I think in this, this weekend, that's one that you should. No, I agree. I agree. Of course, Saturday's other big game, it's at the same time as the Sharks game. Leinster playing Benetton, and this is uh, quite a quite an interesting one. First against second, Benetton have been the surprised uh, team of the season, but like Leinster, they give the bulk of their players to the national team, uh, and they haven't won in Dublin since 2018. Uh, Leinster's second team of the Joker of the URC is normally that that's probably the fourth or fifth best team in the tournament. But uh, I don't know. I, I've got a sense that Benetton might might be thinking of a bit of a grab here. Do you think they have the depth to do that? I mean, if if they're missing the bulk of the, uh, you know, the, the team that all well, the players that you know normally play for Italy aren't playing this weekend, so you know, is, is well, the I, I think I don't, I don't know. It's probably maybe a bit too optimistic. I'd still probably favour Leinster, even their second team against teams with the international players, uh, just given the depth and, and their systems. But I don't know, Benetton are almost like a romantic team. Mm. You hope yeah, that? you kind of root for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, being the week of Valentine's, uh, maybe they can they can do something for somebody out there. I don't know. So uh, Cardiff against Connacht, um, normally an intriguing game, especially being played in Cardiff. But Cardiff have got quite a few internationals out. Connacht, not so many. Um, they should be able to. And, yeah, I, I would. I would have to favour Connacht. Of the, the, they are the visitors in this instance, but uh, I think they are the yeah uh, least uh, disrupted um, by all the international call ups. So um, and, and Cardiff has been hot and cold. Actually, mostly cold. So yeah. for me, the visitors in this one. Uh, Glasgow against Dragons. Normally, you'd say Glasgow pretty, pretty hot favourites there. Dragons are 15th, but Glasgow's also got a couple of internationals out. Still think they mm. have depth to win this one, though. Yeah, the Dragons just, when, you know, even when they are at full strength, I mean, they don't, um, yeah, they, they don't pack, pack sufficient punch. I mean, we've, we've seen them, uh, whether it's against the African opposition or Irish opposition, they just 
um, yeah, there's not enough there. So even if it is largely a second string Glasgow Warriors team, I still fancy still fancy Glasgow team. Yeah, and then there's one game on Sunday. Uh, that's Ospreys against Ulster in Swansea. Um, I reckon Stephen Kitsoff is going to have a bit of a field day there. Um, I think Ulster. I don't know. Maybe we under underestimating the Welsh sides, but with their national players out, no. they struggled in normal weeks. And with their national, mm. they've got lots of good young talent coming through, but they're young. Mm. Yeah, when they've had their best players available, then the Ospreys have actually been a decent side this year, or uh, this season. Uh, but you know, without them, uh, you've got to say Ulster uh, should have the the quality, especially up front. Yeah, uh, to get the job done there. I mean, and and Stephen Kutsov is certainly. I mean, isn't he the the competition's top ranked player? Yeah, um, should be sure. relishing this opportunity. I'm not quite yeah, sure how the yeah. top hundred works, but I don't, I don't know how that works. Or how they, yeah, but but that's the that's the, yeah. the, the title has got. And and I think the other thing is, I mean, it's quite interesting because when I was looking at the the fixtures, I went back to round nine, and the the, the big result of round nine was Ulster who beat Leinster. 22-21 uh, over New Year's. And, and, I mean, that's how long ago round nine was. So, um, yeah, uh, Ulster have had pretty disappointing European campaign. Uh, they, they haven't been very good there. But uh, I reckon they still have enough quality there definitely to win in Swansea. So should be a win there. Uh, unfortunately, Welsh, if we have Welsh listeners, um, we are happy to be proved wrong if the Welsh teams do do well. And, um, yeah, Liam's giving me some funny looks. He thinks I'm going to get some death threats from Welsh supporters. I might might have a few interesting pints of brains if I'm even in Cardiff again and some um, <laughs> talk there. But I'm, I love Welsh rugby. I just I, I just think at the moment they're going through a bit of a dip. The, the sooner they get out of it, the better. I mean, uh, we all get a huge buzz when you see Wales in full flight. So, um, yeah, hopefully they can uh, beat their straps again. Yeah, that's it for us today. That's the pod. I hope you've enjoyed it. Join us again next week. Uh, We'll be talking about these derbies, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot to unpack. Liam and I are both in the fortunate position of going down to Durban. Uh, We're going to go speak a bit to the Sharks, so we'll have some Sharks content, hopefully for you for next week as well. Uh, But otherwise, it's been good, and we'll chat soon. Cheers. Cheerio. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.